Um, as we enter into our time of sharing of the word of God today, I invite you to rise as you are able um, as we read together. Uh, the scripture passage today comes from 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. David asked, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. He was summoned to David. The king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. The king said, is there anyone remaining of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, there remains a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Merkir, son of Amiel and Lodabar. Then the king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, son of Amiel and Lodabar. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and did obedience. J David said, Mephibosheth. He answered, I am your servant. David said to him, do not be afraid for I will sh show you kindness. For the sake of your father Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. He did obese and said, What is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog such as I? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to, his all, and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But your master's grandson Mephibosheth shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth lived, near, lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And let us join in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is uh, a lot that has been going on in the past year and a lot that has been recognized about how divided we are <laughs> as people, um, as a country, as a nation, as a world, how divided we are, how divided we have become, and how so many things that many years ago might have caused disagreement now cause animosity. We live in a world where it seems like we always have to be very hesitant about what we think and about what we feel and about how we express ourselves because disagreements can so easily lead to animosity. And so I've seen lots of memes and lots of inspirational quotes and lots of inspirational uh, pictures pop up on social media and try to be shared in the world 
from the quote, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. This is a beautiful aspiration. It's a beautiful aspiration for all of us, right? In a world where we can be anything, let us seek to be kind. I've struggled with that passage, though, because part of me wonders, what exactly do we mean by kind? What exactly do we mean by kind? Is kind just keeping the peace? <laughs> Is kind just putting ourselves aside and saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to talk about my opinions or my passions or what I uh, feel God is calling me to do if it will cause discomfort to someone else, right? Um, I, I will set aside who I am and what I believe for the sake of someone else. I will seek in all that I do to be nice and to keep the peace, right, to, to not cause any disagreements. Is that kindness? What is kindness? What is the challenge to be kind and the challenge of kindness that God calls us to? It's something that I think that we certainly should all aspire to if there is anything that we can be to be kind. But in order to first do that, we have to understand what it is to be kind. Our scripture lesson for today comes in the midst of the story in scripture of King David. King David, who has been a part of uh, taking over and leading the people of Israel, the kingdom of Israel at that time. David had taken over this kingdom and been anointed as king after the fall of King Saul. King Saul, who uh, got very jealous of David and got very upset um, at what David was doing and got very jealous to the point that when Saul lost a crucial battle, he fell on his own sword. He ended his own life. And David is taking over this kingdom. This kingdom that is in the midst of wars, this kingdom that is constantly having to defend itself physically uh, from violence around it, this kingdom that often does violence to other people, that find itself in the midst of many, many conflicts. And so in the middle of this story of King David and all of the wars and all of the conflicts that are being experienced by the people of Israel, we find this story, <laughs> this story for today that is a different kind of story than those other stories of King David, of his kingship, of his lordship, of his might and his power, of conquering those around them and defending the nation of Israel. Here we find this story that is entitled uh, in the NRSV translation, David's Kindness to Mephibosheth. It's in the middle of this conquering violence that we see this kindness. David, in this passage, seeks out Mephibosheth, who is the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. Both Jonathan and Saul have died uh, in battle, and David is now the king. Saul's descendants are not the king, and it would have been easy for David to justify squelching and eliminating all of Saul's descendants. Um, because 
there's a decent chance that somebody who's the descendant of a king may want to claim ownership to that throne someday. David could have seen the descendants of Saul, Mephibosheth, as, as a threat. But instead, he seeks out this descendant of his enemy. He seeks out Mephibosheth and attempts to make peace, to reconcile and to extend kindness and to make things right. This was especially challenging or especially perhaps unprecedented in that Mephibosheth, the scripture tells us, was lame in both of his feet. He was lame in both of his feet. And people often that experienced physical ailments or disabilities were not often seen as worthy in the times of scriptures. There was often an assumption that people who had these ailments had done something to deserve that as punishment. And so David's reaching out to Mephibosheth. David's not only sharing a table with him, but also giving him land and empowering him to have agency over his own life was a really big deal. Mephibosheth, you see, I'm guessing had not been used <laughs> to this kind of treatment. He had not been used to be treating, treated like a human being, uh, being treated with kindness, being treated with respect, being treated in a way that was reconciliatory and uplifting. Mephibosheth asks David, what do you want with me, a dead dog? Who, who am I that you should look upon me, a dead dog? He was recognizing the fact that he was less than, that he was nothing, that he was not worthy for the king to look upon him. And yet David does not see Mephibosheth as a dog. David does not see Mephibosheth as an enemy. David sees him as a human being. Now, David is a very complex figure. Speaking of human beings, right? David is a very complex figure. In fact, earlier, just a few chapters earlier, when David is being anointed as king and when he is, is conquering and leading people in battle, the scripture tells us that David hates the lame. David hates the lame. And yet here we find David extending kindness to Mephibosheth. Just a couple of chapters later, David uh, wants to have another man's wife and does so and then has the man killed. David is a complicated figure. David is a complicated figure. David is involved in violence. David is involved in hatred. David is involved in awful things. And yet David is also anointed by God. And David also extends kindness to Mephibosheth. People can be more than one thing. <laughs> Human beings are more than one thing. We often, as human beings, want to put people into categories, right? We want to appoint people as they are good or they are bad. <laughs> they do good or they do bad. They are the person that we are pulling for. They are the protagonist in this story of life or they are the antagonist. And we need to fight against them and we need to eliminate them. They are the ones that we are on board with and the others are the enemies. They are one of us. And they are the other. But people can be more than one thing. 
we are human beings. <laughs> and that comes with some bad stuff. We human beings have great capacity to do great harm to other people. And we as human beings have great capacity to do good for other people. People are more than one thing. And the challenge for Mephibosheth and for so many others that are often seen as lower than, that are often treated as less than, that view themselves as dogs or as those who are excluded from the community of God or from worthiness as humans, the difficult thing for those who feel so excluded is that they are often treated as only one thing. They have been seen as one thing. They have seen to be identified by their physical ailments. They've seen to be identified uh, by their ancestry, um, by uh, what they said or what they did in the past, by so many things that cause us to lump them into a box of one thing. But... If we, like David, hear people's stories, if we, like David, engage with them around a table and share a meal, if we, like David, can see past the one thing that we know about someone and see the real them, their humanity, then we can see that we have a common humanity. That people who we may assume are very different from us are less different from us than we may think. I'm wearing this t-shirt today that I absolutely love. And it says, humankind be both. Humankind be both. To be a part of humankind is to have our human nature that yes, often does invite us into moments of selfishness, into moments of pride, into moments of destruction and sadness and anger and hurt. But to be part of humankind is also to be part of the people that God has created in God's own image. To be part of people who have the potential to do kindness, to live out the actions that imitate those of our creator. To be humankind is to live in the grace of God. We are called to do that. We are humans. We're not going to overcome that. <laughs> we are not going to be over, able to, on our own, overcome our nature, our sin. And that is why there is grace. That is why there is God. That we do not overcome our humanity, but that through the power of the grace of God, through the kindness of our Lord, that we are able to be reconciled. We are able to experience kindness and we are able to share that with others. We are called to be human kind, to live in the grace of God. To follow Jesus who in his life experienced and lived out the definition 
of what they call in this passage kindness. The Hebrew word chesed. It is a deep kindness. It is a, a deep, deep kindness. It isn't just being nice to someone. It is going deeper. It is recognizing their stories and their humanity and seeking to be reconciled with them, seeking to bring them into relationship, seeking to live in new life and in grace with them, to go deep into the heart of their humanity and recognize our own in that moment. Theologian and speaker and teacher and writer Rachel Held Evans talked once about the power of more and more people coming to the table, right? We have in our scripture passage today this invitation of Mephibosheth to David's table, to the royal table. And Rachel Held Evans talks about the sacraments, talks about the table. And in this, she, she mentioned that the table of God, the sacraments of God are best experienced when they are for all people. When all people can come to the table, when the table is not just for those of us who claim the name of Christ now, or those of us who are like one another or have the same beliefs as one another, but when the table of God can be for uh, the poor and the outcast and the marginalized and the struggling and the grieving, that is when the sacraments are best experienced, she says. But then she goes even further to say, and we should not be simply welcoming people to our table, but we need to go to them and to recognize God at their tables. That we need to recognize God's divine spark, God's human imprint on those around us. Because after all, our table, our churches, our worship, our faith is not ours to begin with. It is God's. As humans, we are invited to God's table. We are invited into God's relationship. We are invited into God's grace. And in that invitation, we are invited to participate to partake of something that is amazing. And we are called to invite other people to participate as well. We are called in our humanity and in the grace of God to take risks, to mess up, to be forgiven, to be reconciled, to be made new. We are invited into our human kindness. Because all of us are created by God and all of us have the potential for the same kindness that God extends for us to be extended for others. One of the greatest examples of kindness is the beloved Fred Rogers. I loved Mr. Rogers as I was growing up, and I have loved seeing kind of this Mr. Rogers renaissance that has come up over the past few years with films that have come out about him and documentaries. And one of the things that I found most poignant as I continued to learn more about Fred Rogers in recent years is that his wife, Joanne, said that it always bothered her when people would talk about Mr. Rogers as a saint, when they would call him Saint 
Fred. She said he wasn't a saint. And she said, I don't believe that we need to talk about him as if he was because that makes it seem like what he does is something that we can't do. That what he does is somehow greater than what we can accomplish or achieve. When we put somebody on a pedestal, she says, like he has been put on a pedestal, it makes it seem like what he does, we are not able to follow. And she said, that's just simply not true. That his kindness was not something that he had, that was something that none of us could have. She said he had to work at that kindness. Each and every day, he would wake up and he would pray for that kindness. He would work hard at seeking to live out this kindness that he was so passionate, needed to be in existence in the world and needed to be taught to our children. So many times, I think we look at Jesus. We look at other figures in the Bible and we say, I could never do that. I could never do that. But, but in this scripture passage, I think it is so powerful that we see this work of David. This work of this imperfect king showing kindness to Mephibosheth empowering Mephibosheth, not only having him to eat at the table and showing him compassion in that way, but giving him land and empowering him to be the human that God had created him to be also. Following God and being people of faith is not about perfection. It's not about perfection in seeking to be kind it is not about perfection in seeking to be disciples. It's not about trying to be saints, but it is about seeking each and every day to make decisions for kindness, to make daily choices to be kind, recognizing where we mess up, <laughs> recognizing where we fall short and seeking to have difficult conversations of forgiveness and reconciliation in those moments, right? I'm sure it was very difficult for David to go to Mephibosheth to make peace when these families had been at war. And he does so. Having difficult conversations towards forgiveness and reconciliation and kindness in the grace of God. As we make choices every day to be kind, to live into our call as those who are created by God in God's own image. We are called not to limit ourselves or anyone else to just one thing, <laughs> but to see the grace of God in each and every person we encounter, to see the grace of God in ourselves, and to accept the human invita the invitation to us as humans to be humankind to be both, to be reconciled with God and with one another in our humanity and to experience the grace and life transformation of chesed, of kindness, of the power of the life of God in our midst. Will you pray with me? God, I give you thanks that we are part of your people that we are part 
of your human world. And I pray that you will work in our lives your kindness, your chesed, your grace. That we may experience it, that we may be transformed by it. That we may recognize in ourselves and one another not just one thing, but that we may recognize the power of our stories, the power of our lives and our deep bond as your children. I pray, God, that uh, through the power of your grace, that we may be transformed into your people more and more deeply. That we may be able to know your presence with us. That we may know the power of your transformative kindness and love now and forever. Amen.